listening to this episode of the Young Baptist Podcast. My name is Josh Johnson, and I'm joined by my co-host, Clay Maynard. We're just a couple of young guys that are passionate about the gospel, the church, and we want our brothers and sisters to be encouraged and captivated all over again by the beauty and glory of Jesus Christ. Clay, how you doing? I'm doing great, Josh. We just got off of our Ask Me Anything recording, the first ever Ask Me Anything episode. It, by the way, that's exclusive for the Young Baptist Podcast small group. If you don't know what that is, that's our little donor club. So if you're missing out, don't miss out any longer. You commit to $5 per month or a one-time gift of $60 per year, but you have to go click on our website the button that says you want to be a exclusive subscriber. You can do it on our website, theyoungbaptistpodcast.com. There's also a link to it in the description of our episodes. But uh, yeah, Josh, we just did our first ever Ask Me Anything episode. Fired up about that. That's right, Clay. It was a good time. I think uh, everyone will enjoy that episode who's already in the small group. And everybody who's in the small group is probably already listening to uh, the sponsor of today's episode, which is Audible. Audible is home to thousands and thousands of audiobooks and dramatic productions that you can get a free 30-day trial of simply by clicking the link in the description below or by going to audibletrial.com forward slash young Baptist pod. Have you ever noticed, Clay, that every time we start this podcast, or at least when I introduce it, I say the same dumb thing. Hey, Clay, how are you doing, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're creatures of habit, Josh. Wow. <laughs> Speaking of, <laughs> we are creatures of habit. Speaking of which, what talk to me about your habits, Josh. I was just listening to a great podcast today by Craig Rochelle, the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. And whatever you think of Craig Rochelle, his leadership stuff is fantastic. And he was talking about how leaders affect their environments with their habits that builds credibility or costs them credibility with their teams. And I was, uh, I was moved by it. It was so helpful. Uh, talk to me about habits, Josh. Do you find yourself plagued often by bad habits? Are you good at breaking them? Maybe a, maybe a bad habit of yours that you have broken or want to break? I don't know. Just... What do you think? Hmm. You kind of put me on the spot here about bad habits. I'm trying to think, well, here's a, a bad habit slash good habit all packaged into one. How's that? Are you good with that? Yeah. A bad habit that I had was not flossing. And a good habit that I wanted to have was flossing. This is also a habit that James Clear in the Gospel of Habits, otherwise known as Atomic Habits, <laughs> he used as well. Josh, did you just... <laughs> um, but Did you just find a way to include the word gospel in a completely unrelated conversation. I didn't mean to, but it worked, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. you've been listening to uh, Jared Wilson too much. Yes, this is the gospelness of habits or something like that. Because <laughs> gospel... you also have to make up words. Yeah, <laughs> habits can be gospelicious. Yeah, gospelicious. Uh, okay, so basically when it comes to building a good habit, Clay, this is what I've read. I've read a couple of books on this, The Atomic Habits, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. Um, the key, there's a couple keys. The ones that have helped me the most would be environment design and make it pleasant. That's kind of an idea too. Let me explain. Um, environment design is the idea of you're taking what you want to do and you're priming your environment. Okay, so... 
I want to floss my teeth more regularly. Welcome to the Young Babs Podcast Productivity Show. I want to <laughs> floss my teeth more regularly. So if I'm going to prime my environment for that, I'm going to make it to where the floss is in a prominent place. And I'm going to make it so that I have I can't ignore it, basically. So if I need to floss every night like I should, ideally, the way to begin is to like leave the floss on this kitchen, not the kitchen, but the, the bathroom counter there by the sink. I see it. My env- environment has been designed to make me react to that desire to build that. Habit. Yeah, that makes sense. So the same is true when it comes to destroying a bad habit. You, you, you remove it from the equation instead of priming your environment. Okay. You and Clear talks about it in I think it, I think he talks about it in Atomic Habits. He uses the illustration of uh, like a case of beer, if you will, and you know. Oof, shouldn't talk about beer, but uh, a case of beer, he said, if it's on the top shelf of your fridge, that's what you're going to reach for. But if you put it down in the bottom of your fridge and you hide it, you're, you're less likely to go for it. You're, you're reversing the, the, the pattern there instead of making it um, easy to grab You're you're making it difficult. You're not, you're not designing your environment in a way to continue that habit. Yeah. But instead to try and kill it. I he, he talked about the the podcast I listened today talked about um triggers too, you know, like it's it's people or it's place or it's mood or it's time. You know, if you're if you find you're more likely to get irritable, for example, if one of your bad habits is you get irritable at the end of a work day, being aware of it and taking care to um to change the way you're you know, the, the way you process reactions on purpose. But he even talks about some of the things you're talking about here, which is like, you know, if I want to if I want to stop a bad habit, I can tell you a lot of my bad habits revolve around technology. Uh, I don't have an mm-hmm. option to just exclude the technology that I'm using from my life. But if I don't want to continue the bad habits with technology, I have to figure out why I'm doing it. What's caught what in the environment has become a habit for me in, in reverse engineering it, like you're saying, um, he was talking about people who are, you know, if you're bad at turning hitting the snooze button too many times in the morning. Maybe put the the phone across the room from you, so, the, so it changes mm-hmm. the procedure. You have to get up and walk across the room <laughs> to actually get your phone. Uh, but for me, it's it's more about seeing the environmental factors that trigger me reaching for my phone to to do stuff. I, I do a lot of incredibly productive things on my phone, but I also do things that are completely unproductive on my phone. So it's a little bit of a trap. And so realizing what causes me, what happens in my you know at what time of the day, what time of the week, whatever, where I do something where I look back and say, man, that was a waste of time. And being aware of it on the front end, because if I'm not going to be intentional about it, it's not just going to change on its own. Um, but I was really I was really interested in that. If you want to go listen to a good podcast, listen to the March edition of the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. He talks about habits. If this is something that interests you, uh, I was really helped by it. Yeah, I would highly, highly recommend if you are interested in reading more on habits, pick up James Clear book. Uh, atomic habits. It's very good. Nice. Very, very good. Well, Josh, what are we talking about today? We are going to do our best to talk about the sovereignty of God. Yes. Really, it's an insurgible topic if we're honest, but yeah, we just thought we'd come on here and chat a little bit. We came out of that last episode talking about the attributes of God, and it was a little bit of information overload, which a lot of our doctrinal series have felt that way. It's like, man, you're really just, you're 
you're uh, talking about a lot, and and to talk about the nature of God and the attributes of God in one episode is is a is a tall tall order. But we just wanted to riff a little bit, if that's possible, on this this idea of God's sovereignty. I want to make one quick clarification from our last episode. We said that theology, the study of theology proper, was the study specifically of God the Father, and that is actually. It's not wrong, it's not false, but it's not completely accurate because we ended up talking about the Trinity. It's the study of God, the end. So I just wanted to go ahead and make that quick clarification on the front end, Clay. I yep. know we had actually talked about that. Someone brought that to our attention. So just throwing that out there. So when we talk about sovereignty, even we're talking about God, period, you know? Mm-hmm. We said last episode that the sovereignty of God, we said that the sovereignty of God means that God is the supreme authority and power in the universe. You know, essentially that just means he's over everything. He's answerable to no one. He is judged by no one. And so even in many of the ways you see human beings attempt to judge God, oftentimes I feel we're, we're borrowing from Judeo-Christian history and in our, in our own understanding about God and cultural morality that's derived from from a historic belief in the Judeo-Christian God, in our culture anyways, we often draw from that and then use that to judge God by it. And so what we have to understand is whether or not God's decisions, whether or not his sovereignty makes sense to us, he is the definition of holiness and he's judged by no one. And that's what it means for him to be sovereign. And so what we wanted to talk about a little bit tonight is just a couple of things. First of all, the context of sovereignty, which is you can't ignore God's sovereignty in Scripture. Mm -hmm. And Josh, I don't know about you, but I feel like a lot of people get into ditches when it comes to sovereignty. It's either all they want to talk about or they avoid it altogether. Right. And neither of those is a proper approach to it because it's clear in scripture, you know, without going into all of the scriptures for sovereignty in the Bible, I know that one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and I've been quoting it a lot lately, so I decided I'd use it here, is Philippians 1.9. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I love this verse because it's not confidence. He's confident. Paul, uh, Paul is saying to the Philippian church, I'm, not, I'm confident for you. But I'm not confident in you. I'm confident in God. I'm confident in the one who began this. My confidence is not in the people of the Church of Philippi. Uh, I'm confident for you, but my confidence is in, is in the God who started this. The God who started this is going to be the God who finishes this. And so there is a real element of the way the Bible talks about God's sovereignty that teaches that God's will is going to happen no matter what. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is, it is not dependent. God's will is not dependent in his design and his plan for the universe. It's not dependent on us. And so that's just something that's absolutely true that you can't miss in the Bible if you read it, honestly. You have other scriptures too. Like the one, the verse that always comes to my mind is Psalm 115.3, I think it is. Our God is in the heavens. He has done whatsoever he's pleased. Yeah. That's it, man. Like, that's, That's straightforward. <laughs> and really, when you when you read the book of Psalms, you see an elevated view of the sovereignty of God. And uh, without getting too ahead of ourselves, 
a, a great comfort in all of that, that God is in fact sovereign and his will will be accomplished. But yeah, so that's two verses and that doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of how God is, is sovereignly in control of the affairs of man. Yep. Romans nine actually is a, is a big text that talks about God's sovereignty in the universe. And it's a controversial passage of scripture, obviously. But one of the things it says, there's a uh, Romans nine nineteen says, um, I'm sorry, verse 20 says, uh, Nay, but O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Verse 21 says, Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another to dishonor? And so when you read the Bible, you have to be, we have to be honest about the fact that God's sovereignty is real and allow whatever wrestling to come from it that needs to, which kind of gets to our the second thing here. There's the context of sovereignty, and that is that Scripture teaches it. But then there's also the controversy of sovereignty. And I, Josh, I, I think the so, the controversy comes from the fact that we don't understand it, right? I mean, we we can't I think grasp. That's fair. Yeah, we can't grasp how a, how a God that is sovereign over everything still gives us choice for which we are responsible. We can't understand how a God who is absolutely ruler over everything makes a creation where sin is present, where judgment is meted out, and we are held responsible for our own, our own actions and have this degree of freedom in our choice. How can those two things coincide? And without getting into the whole the whole debate about um, you know free will versus determinism, Calvinism versus uh, Arminian theology, we're not going to get into all that right now. We're Josh, we're actually looking forward to having some conversations about that in the future. Mm-hmm. But uh, and I'm really excited about that. We'll we'll have that conversation. But let's suffice it to say for this episode that the controversy comes because we can't actually fully grasp it. And I think there's a there's a a desire in in us when we study the Bible to to really fully be able to wrap our minds around things and and that's not this is just one of those doctrines I really believe you have to find a level of comfort with not completely understanding it. You have to be willing to accept the mystery of it in a way as you study the Scripture and know that because God's thoughts are not your thoughts and His ways are not your ways it's not possible to get your mind around how God (laughs) rules and reigns over the whole entire world and over the affairs of men. And that kind of comes back to something that we hinted at in the last episode is if you can explain it, if you can completely understand it, then he is no longer God. You are. And so, you know, we just have to, I think we have to be careful and and stay within the bounds of scripture for sure but we also have to realize we're not going to completely get it all on this earth yeah tim keller sometimes says a god a god small enough for you to understand is not a god big enough for me to worship mm-hmm. and yeah. th- there's just a reality to that we can't on the one hand expect him to be god 
And the other, on the other hand, every time we don't understand them, say, well, you can't be God because I don't understand why. If you're, if you're God, I don't understand why you would do this. And this goes back to uh, one of the things that I, I dealt with when I went to college is a lot of um, people who didn't believe in God or, or struggled to believe in God. Let's say they were maybe agnostic. They would, some of those people would say, well, if God was, if God was who he said he was, why would he have, why wouldn't he have stopped the Holocaust, right? It's, it's, this is the problem of evil and suffering. If God's really good, why wouldn't he have stopped it? And I don't have a great answer for that. The truth is Christianity has struggled with these questions for as long as we've been around, and, and we don't have great answers for that. What I do know is that uh, if God had a reason, I don't know what it is. And I believe God did have a reason. But I don't make the assumption that because God have has a reason, that I must know what it is. We're, we we That's an assumption we, we often make. And um, the when I was in college, those same people would look at the Old Testament where he destroyed the Canaanites and say, how could God kill all of those people? He's, you know, the, the same Richard Dawkins that will criticize God for not, for not engaging in the Holocaust will then crush him and call him, uh, call him genocidal for what he did to the Canaanites. People, the Canaanites were sacrificing their own children in fires. They were evil, horrible, cruel people. So it's like, on the one hand, you criticize them for getting involved in, in meeting out justice, and then in the other place, you, you criticize them for not doing it. And what it boils down to is, I don't know why he does or doesn't ever. Or, or if he does get involved, when he chooses to get involved, I don't understand it. But like we're saying, you have to accept that uh, that, you, that he is God and we are not. Yep. And uh, his sovereignty boils down to, if we're going underst- to appreciate, believe in his sovereignty, and honor him for his, for his sovereignty, we have to accept that tension. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. A lot of what is controversial about it is also part of what we're going to talk about. The last point here is what's also comforting about it. Yes. Is that it's controversial because, like, how can God be in control in these horrible situations? But that's also comforting to know that God is in control in the the affairs and situations of our life you know it's it's controversial because we can't completely understand in the darkest of moments how is god even in this but it's comforting to know that he said he is and that he is sovereign over those moments i mean like i said earlier read the psalms david is like and i know he's not the only psalmist okay but he he is like conflicted a lot in the Psalms. Yeah, sure enough. And by the end of most Psalms, what do you see him doing? He is like rejoicing in God. And almost it's a reflection of how he's, how he sees that, Hey, I don't get this circumstance, but God is there and he is in control and I trust him. I, you know, I, Josh, I was just thinking as you were talking the, the, there's an, uh, there's a Louis Giglio quote where he says, Everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. <laughs> and mm. when we talk about the comfort that God's sovereignty brings, we what we're what I am thinking of is I'm thinking all the moments of my life that I can't reckon with, that I can't figure out. I, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand it. And if you're if you've lived for you know, a length of time and have, have faced anything in your life, you've had those moments where you just feel like looking to the heavens and saying, why, what is the, what Mm -hmm. is the meaning? What is the purpose of this? 
you you in your own way have some level of suffering and you feel like a small bit of what Job was feeling when he said those things to God. And he was very honest like, like, like David was. And just crying out to God and the, the sovereignty of God, if, if we believe it, does bring us that comfort because it means, as it meant to Job, it, it wasn't pointless. You know, he didn't see the reason through much of it, but God was limiting the suffering. You, I mean, I love the story of Job when, when, we, when we talk about the sovereignty of God because we see that God was not the source of the evil there. Satan was. It was Satan's idea to bring evil on Job. God did allow it. And, and we'll, we'll never really wrap our head around that, why God allows mm-hmm. it. But what does he do in Job's situation? He limits it. And he makes sure that none of the pain is wasted. Even the evil that is introduced to Job's life, he uses it for, he uses it for his glory and for Job's good. And that's so comforting because it means I've not gone through anything close to what Job experienced. It means in my life I can trust that he's doing the same thing with me. When I'm having those emotions that Job had and I'm feeling obviously not even close to as the depth of suffering that Job went through. But when I'm feeling those feelings, I can trust in the same promises that Job could could trust in, that his Redeemer liveth. You know, and I can, I, and, and God does that over and over again. He does it with Job, but you see it in the New Testament too. You see Paul saying, your strength is made perfect in my weakness and I, you didn't take away the thorn, but now I see that that it's it's that the glory of Christ could be made manifest in me. And, and even in Jesus' story, I mean, look at it. it, it if you were there that day, at the cross, you'd have said this is the worst day in the history of the world. And yet it was the best day in the history of the world. Because God used it, God used the horribleness of the death of Christ to bring about the redemption of all humankind. And so, does this answer our questions? No. But does it give us some hope? Yes, I, I believe it does. I over where it says that Hebrews that, that God has given us these 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 truths so that we might have hope. Um, that's what I believe. And and if we're going to cling to the truth of God's word, it's it's not just that sovereignty is perplexing, but like we're saying, that it's comforting, that it brings us hope, because, because that means the nothing that's, that's so far out of, nothing that's out of my reach is actually out of God's reach. I think another good passage that would speak to this Comfort and controversy, like all mixed into one would be Jeremiah 29, because you see God telling, telling the Israelites through Jeremiah, like you're about to go into judgment. You're going into exile. It's going to happen. Yeah. And that was God's sovereign plan. But he told them while you're there, build houses, plant gardens, marry, have families, pray for the peace of that city while you're there. Because I know the thoughts that I have towards you. And the end game is flourishing, is to get you out. You're not going to be there forever. So God's sovereignty somehow brought them into that. And yet even in that was comforting them to know that he was going to bring them through that. Man, it's just like you can't get your mind around all of that. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah, I think I think tonight we, you know, we we Josh and I had spent some time talking about sovereignty after we recorded the previous episode, 
And we just kind of wanted to get on and, and talk a little more about it because what I want us to, what I want to do when I think about the attributes of God and this, this one specifically is I want to learn to trust God and it's easy to trust him when things are going well. It, you know, it's like a stock market. It's like a stock market investor for the last five years. Everybody looks like a genius the last five years because almost anything you could invest in, everything looks looking good. Um, and so when your life is going well, it's easy to say, I trust God. I trust in the promises of God. But man, I think we can really be a, a witness to a lost world if when things are going bad, when our circumstances aren't good, we can trust God. And we can say, I trust in the promises of God no matter what. You know, Paul, all throughout his epistles, he, he prays for the churches and he always talks about what he's praying for them. I'm praying for you that. And he never prays for their circumstances to get better. Mm-hmm. He prays for their joy, that their joy would be full and that they'd hold to the things that they had learned and that God would be glorified in them, that their joy would be full no matter what, no matter what the circumstances were. And we see that evidenced in the life of the early church. And man, I want to, I want that. I want that, that abiding joy that comes from, from that kind of trust in God. I just really hope that today's episode has been a, a just a help and an encouragement. Maybe it's not our usual content, <laughs> uh, but uh, I would just challenge each of you listening, take some time and just remember how great God is today. Ponder how wonderful his sovereignty is and how comforting that can be. And know that in your life, whatever it is you're facing, God is there. He is in control and he has never not been in control and he will continue to be in control. And I just, I just hope that'd be a source of comfort for you guys. Well, Josh, next episode is going to be Christology. We get to talk about Jesus Christ. Yep. That's going to be awesome. Yep. I'm so pumped for that. It's going to be good. It's very strong possibility that we, we are going to be pushing that 35 minute mark for our next episode. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to, to fit everything we want. We, we, we study and want to say into these episodes as it is, but we're going to do our best. We'll give it our best shot. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what, Clay, no matter what happens, God is sovereign, even over the length of our Christology episode. Josh, there it is. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear your thoughts on today's topic. Also, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and review wherever you consume the content. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Young Baptist Pod. Check out our website, theyoungbaptistpodcast.com for more resource recommendations, our merch store, and to join our YBP community.